Well, today is Father's Day. Amen. And I like Father's Day because our Father God, He is a Father. And when we honor fathers, we honor Him who is the Father of fathers who created the concept of fatherhood. And to honor a father is really to honor God because fatherhood was God's idea. Not any human being. And it's a God reflection. It's a God concept. It's a God principle. It's a God type and shadow. It's a God make you understand who he is type of thing. And until we understand fatherhood, we really don't understand God and who he is in our lives. And he gave us a little human example, a little human object lesson, a little human symbolic uh, practice run with a physical, natural father so that we might understand the real father, our heavenly spiritual father. Can I get an amen? Yeah. See, and the way we relate to that father is just a practice run for the way that we are to relate to our heavenly father. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, I'm going to turn you to, take us to uh, Malachi 4, verses Five and six this morning. So let's bow our head as we're turning. Uh, you can turn there afterwards. Let's bow our head first and we'll, we'll pray. Father, we just thank you that you are our Father. You are our Heavenly Father. Father, and we thank you that there's a special blessing and anointing on the office of fatherhood. And so we come to you today with honor and respect. We come to you today believing that you'll reveal to us the deeper principles of fatherhood. Father, bless this time. Give me clarity of mind, articulation of speech, boldness of spirit. Father, give each one here ears to hear, hearts to receive and a will to the doers of your word. Cause us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Holy Spirit, come now, have your way. Whatever you want to do in this service, whatever you want to say, and how you want to change us and conform us to your image, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So as we turn over there to Malachi, we're going to look, and then we're going to jump right over to Ephesians 6, 2, and 3. So just put your finger in both places. Go ahead and turn to those two places. Put one finger in the New Testament reference of Ephesians 6, 2, and 3, and the other finger over Malachi chapter 4. That's the last book of the Old Testament, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, and that's where we'll actually start. We'll start over there, and, and we'll look at Malachi 4 and 5 and 6, and we can see that this is the very last statement made in the Old Testament. Very profound. And it's the last thing that was said, and then there was 400 years of silence from heaven. We call that the intertestamental period in theology class. And so we look at that, and Malachi is a prophet. He's speaking to the ministers in Israel, and he says, And I, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And of course, that was, you know, we can look, and John the Baptist was a type of Elijah the prophet. And the great and dreadful day of the Lord can be referenced to several things, 70 A.D., and it will also be referenced to the great tribulation. And it says, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children. And hearts of the children to the fathers, both ways. Fathers to children, children to fathers. Everybody say, both directions needs to be fixed. Think about that. He shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. You see, before we can fix things in America, 
we've got to fix the family first. And, well, what about turn to the mothers? Well, I'm going to explain that in a minute. I'm glad you asked that question because I know you're thinking of that. But, there, but we'll explain that. But there has to be a turning of parents to children, children to parents. You know, the greatest, there, there's great consequences for the individual if that doesn't happen. There's great consequences for the family if that doesn't happen. There's great consequences for the church if that doesn't happen. There's even great consequences for the nation and in every way. It has national consequences when kids don't, don't respect their parents and parents don't discipline their children and love their children. Tell you, it, has, it has national, it has worldwide consequences. Oh, well, I mean, what difference does it make if I, if I don't like my kid, my kid doesn't like me, and I don't spank him, and he mouths off to me all the time. What difference does that make? That's my business. That's my house. Well, you're very ignorant if you think that. Let me tell you something. It has national, worldwide consequences. It is a big deal. God says it is. And he'll bring a curse. He'll allow there to be a curse in the land. And i tell you what. The 1960s brought us a rebellious generation, the hippie generation of free sex and drugs. Has it affected us today? And really that can all be summed up in how parents related to their kids and how kids related to their parents. And it's had worldwide consequences. And those people are in the universities, and they're the professors now. And they're anti-American, and they're anti-Christian, and they're anti-God, and they're anti-everything that's good. And there's great consequences because of a generation. Because of a generation. Everybody say, a generation. generation. Decided not to relate the right way. The anti-establishment generation, the pot-smoking, uh, authority-hating generation has done something to our whole nation Oh, yeah, it takes about 50, 60 years, but it does happen. It does happen. It takes about three generations. The book of Judges will will teach you this very clearly. It only takes three generations to go from Christians to heathens. It only takes about three generations. Mom and dad are excited and saved about it and love Jesus and serve Jesus. The kids kind of know about it and they know it's right and they're kind of, I guess, that's okay and... And they, but they never really get it. That doesn't get passed down to the third generation. By third generation, they're, uh, they're hellions against it and, and are lost and little pagans running around. It takes about three generations to fall away if you don't be sure to be like Abraham, whom God said, I can trust you and I can trust the promises with you because you'll order and you'll rule your household the right way. You see, and if we don't understand how the household's supposed to be, at home, but then we won't understand how the household of God is supposed to be. Can I get an amen? amen? It's just a little trial run. We could say human existence is an expression or a story of our Father God and all of His children. This Adam and Eve deal, this whole worldwide race of human beings and God is really a dad and his kids story. And don't think it isn't because it truly is. And there is a great curse if, that, if things don't get right between dad and his kids and the kids and their dad. Turn with me to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Now, we just said if the hearts of the children, the hearts of the father aren't directed right and, uh, you know, aren't restored and right towards each other, there's a great curse that comes. Let's go to Ephesians 6, and there's a great blessing that can come if we relate right. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. 
and honor thy father and mother. So you ought to circle obey and you ought to circle honor. Because obeying or obedience is an expression of honor. Everybody say obedience is the expression of honor that God requires. Obedience and honor go together. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you. One translation says that you may prosper. How many of you want to prosper today? How many of you want it to go well with you? Amen. It won't go well until you get that right. There's a curse that will come upon you, it says in Malachi, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. How many of you want to live long on the earth? Amen. I don't want to die tomorrow. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't look forward to death, and, and I look forward to going to heaven, but I don't look forward to that doorway, that passageway called death to do it. And so we do look for heaven, but death is not a good thing. It's, it's a dreadful thing, and no one uh, likes the idea of it. And so we, we've got to understand. So, but Pastor Bill, it says, honor your mother and your, fa- your, your father and the mother also. Uh, but we're talking about Father's Day. But let me tell you something, a little, a little truth, a little insight is going to help you, help you understand some things, why the Father, and the verses I'm going to read here in a few minutes, why it only mentions the Father. Because it only mentions the Father in many, many verses. And there's a reason for that. And let me explain that reason. To obey a godly Christian mother is to obey the one obeying and honoring the Father. Now, that'll take a few seconds to think to sink in. Let me say it again. The reason why, in many other places, it only mentions the father is because when you obey the father or you obey the mother, if I'm obeying my mother and if she's a godly woman and a Christian who is honoring and obeying her husband like it says in Ephesians 5, 23, 22 through 24, it says the wives are to honor and and obey, even as we, the church, honor and obey Christ. So to honor and obey the mother is really just an extension of honoring and obeying the father. Can I get an amen? Because when you're honoring and obeying the one who's honoring and obeying the father, you're really honoring and obeying the father. That's like when you say, well, I'm going to submit to God, but I won't submit to a pastor. I'll submit to God, but I won't submit to the civil authorities. Well, you, you obviously aren't bright enough that it was God that told you to submit to the, to the pastor and God that told you to submit to the civil authorities so that when you obey and submit to them, you're really submitting and obeying God. Does everybody get that this morning? See, but there's a lot of simpletons who, who are so full of self, they, they aren't going to obey. They're not going to obey anybody. But they'll say, well, I'm submitted to God. I'm submitted to God. You know? When you're speed, speeding on the highway, and I've done it myself, I'm really not being submitted to God. Because God said to obey the laws of the land. God said it. Everybody turn your name and say, God said it. He did. When you submit to your parents, you're submitting to God because God said to do it. When you submit to a pastor, you're really submitting to God because God said to do it. When you submit to civil authorities, God said to do it. When you submit to your mother, uh, it, God said to do it. But when you're submitting to the mother, you're really submitting to the one who's submitting to the father. Amen. So really, God just bypasses all that and just talks a lot about submitting to the father. And it's very interesting when we say that, that, that we're not saying that we don't submit to mothers. Because, yes, the Bible says submit to the mother also. Can I get an amen? Yes, the Bible says honor the mother also. Can I get an amen? But when you're doing that, really, 
It's just going down the line of authority one step because when you obey the one, really you're obeying the other. If they're submitted. Everybody should say, if they're submitted. Amen. See, in the army, in the line of authority, if the general says to the captain, go and tell the private that I need him up on the hill in the machine gun area, uh, then when he obeys the captain, he's really obeying the general. Can I get an amen? When you're obeying mom, you're really obeying dad if the house is being ran biblically. Because mom becomes an extension and a helpmate of dad. And it teaches the kids, and it models and displays to the kids. It gives an object lesson to the kids of how you should properly submit. Can I get an amen? Oh, but we don't like talking about these things. This is all politically incorrect, Pastor Bill. Don't you know that? This is just control freaks teach this stuff. You know, you're a control freak if you use those scriptures. Well, God must be a control freak. Now, a control freak can take him and abuse those scriptures. Can I get an amen? And that does happen. But that doesn't mean that we throw them all out because somebody does it wrong. Amen. So honoring and obeying a father is very important. And it says, except the hearts of the children be turned towards the father. And you know what's almost what's even more wicked than a child not honoring and obeying his parents? is a parent not requiring his children to honor and obey him. That's, that is deeply and profoundly and very insidiously wicked that you don't require your children because you're setting them up to have their life cut off short and for their life to never prosper. Didn't we just read it? Honor and obey your mother and father that you may live long and that you may prosper. And any parent that doesn't require their kids must not care about their kid that he prospers and lives long if they don't require that kid to honor and obey them. It says, it says this in Proverbs, he, now get this, listen to me closely, I'm going to give you a bunch of good examples and prove this all out with the scriptures. It says that he hates his child. He who does not discipline his child hates him. But he that loves him disciplines him at the appropriate times. Come on, somebody, say amen. Amen. This is sound doctrine. This isn't isn't popular seeker church doctrine. This is sound doctrine. And so what we've got to understand is discipline is, 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 is so important that we get that into our children. Because then God can't discipline them. If they get used to hearing your voice and never obeying it, they don't, don't ever expect them to obey God's voice because it's even more subtle. Right. And so true love is this. When a child honors and obeys his parents from the direction of the child to the parent. Now, we said, didn't we say the curse is two directions? Yes. And so for the child to honor and obey, the parent kills the curse. Everybody say it kills the curse because they've got their relationship right and their heart has been turned towards their parent. But now let's look at the other direction, the parent to the child. When the parent requires the child out of love, not out of ego, out of love requires the child to honor them and to obey them because it's God training. Listen to me. It's God training. 
You're training them to honor you, not because of you, dummy. It's because they need to learn that so they can have a relationship with God. And so you require them to honor and obey you so when the time comes that they can comprehend a non-tangible being such as God, a spiritual being, that they will have already learned how to honor and obey God so they can be in right relationship and not live under a curse in life. Somebody say amen. It's so important. It's so important. Because it, you know, a child left to himself will bring his mother to shame. A child left to himself will bring his father to shame too. If it will do it to the mother, it certainly will do it to the father. Proverbs 17, 6 says, The glory of children is their father. It doesn't say mother. Why is that, Pastor Bill? Is God, is God against women? No, he's not against women. But when you're for the father, you're automatically going to be for the mother if they're one and they're operating together. Can I get an amen? amen. It's, not a, it's not a statement against the mother. Eve is Adam's rib. And they're joined together. They're operating as one in a right biblical household. There's nothing against. They said, except the hearts of the children uh, be turned to the father and the fathers turned towards the children. It's not an exclusion of the mother there. It's just talking about the father is the head of which the mother is a part of and automatically should be thought of as one. Everybody getting that? Amen. See, cursing and blessings has always depended on the relationship with the Father, though. In Genesis 27, 23 through 30, we won't turn there for the sake of time, but we know that when Isaac blessed, went to bless Esau and, and Jacob, now get this, Jacob even deceived him and put some hairy stuff on his arms, and he says, I want the, the eldest blessing. And, and, and the other one went out to get some food, and, and he was a little bit deceptive, and and, and, is, and it was just a, a thing where God already knew there were two different types of people and that really Jacob was the one that was to be blessed. It was already preordained. And Esau was, was not a good person. And Jacob went, and I don't know why God allowed him to do this deceptive thing, but that's a whole other sermon. And he went in there, and I've got my ideas, I could, I could tell you, but Jacob went, and his mother helped him, and they got before their father, and Isaac laid his hands on him and says, hmm, is this really, because he, he couldn't see. He says, is this, this, this really Esau? Jacob says, yep, it's Esau. <laughs> and he had this hairy stuff on his arm because Esau was a hairy guy. And he says, okay. And he pronounced the blessing. And he blessed all these blessings on him. Ever say the blessing comes through the Father. Like the blood type comes through the Father. The life comes through the Father. And so the blessing comes through the Father. And that's biologically speaking, we're talking about there. And then he finds out because Esau comes and says, what's going on here? How come Jacob's getting the blessing? And he goes, what, what? He says, I didn't know it was Jacob. It wasn't you, Esau. He says, no, and Esau pled with him and he went back and forth. And he says, I can't rescind. I can't change it now. See, that's how powerful it was, the understanding that when the father spoke over the son, the blessing it was permanent, it was real, and it was coveted by the others, and there's nothing you could do about it once it's spoken. How many would say that's a pretty powerful thing? Wow. I mean, he could have said, well, he deceived me, I rescind that, and now I speak it over my other son. He, he said, I can't do that. He says, what is done is done. 
It's been set in motion. How many of you know our words are very powerful? And when we speak them over our children, they're very, very powerful. And we all have to watch ourselves on that. How many of you ever said something over your kids that you, you shouldn't have said? And I, I go and I ask God, I say, God, forgive me. And I believe that you do forgive sin. And if I've said something that was negative, I, I ask that you, you know, we need, to, we need to immediately get that under the blood. Can I get an amen? amen? And so we see this incredible power for the Father to bless. And it's generational blessings. And the patriarchs of old would line up the sons and, and, and speak the blessings and even the cursings over certain ones. And they would speak all the blessings because the blessing comes through the Father. How many of you know our blessings come through our Heavenly Father? Just a little object lesson again. God's got little object lessons all along the way for us to try to get us to understand a few things. And it says, and if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your own children, how much more does your heavenly father want to give good things to them that ask him? Notice how he said heavenly father. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the mother of lights. In whom there, oh, wait a minute. Oh, excuse me. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, whom there is nor variableness nor shadow of turning. Ephesians, blessed be the God and mother of our Lord Jesus, who's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, wait a minute. I said that wrong, didn't I? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I can go right down the list, every good and perfect gift, all the spiritual blessings. If you being good, know how to give good gifts. How much more does your heavenly Father? And it's Father, it's Father, it's Father, it's Father, it's Father. Every time when it talks about a blessing being conferred on the children. Can I get an amen? It's Father's Day, guys. Know your place. Take it confidently and understand who you are and who you represent. Amen. Amen. Be the man of the house. Do not allow dishonor and disobedience in your house. I said don't allow dishonor and disobedience. I won't allow it in my biological home. I won't allow it in this spiritual house. It's wrong. It's demonic, and it's evil, and it will undermine everything. And you're not going to hear preaching like this almost anywhere today anymore. Because I'm going to tell you something, it doesn't sell CDs very good. But I won't make merchandise out of you like the warning in Peter. I'll, I'll, I'll speak the truth in love. Can I get an amen? So when we, when we understand this... And then we go to Numbers 14, 18, and it talks about the curses passed down from the fathers to the third and the fourth generation. How many of you know the Bible says that the curses can be handed down to the fathers to the third and the fourth generation? Anybody know that scripture? Are you familiar with that? How many of you know the Bible says that? We could turn to it and read it, but for the sake of time, I want to get you out of here before the Baptists get down to the new restaurant before we do. <laughs> Just kidding. We'll have to edit that out, you know, for television. <laughs> Julie just gave me a dirty look, so she has to do all the editing. It's Father's Day. And we wouldn't want to dishonor our fathers by not getting them to the restaurant in time. So anyway, that's why we're not going to every single one reading the whole thing. We love the Baptists, and, uh, but we just don't want to get behind them. So anyway, 
I can joke because I are one. I used to be Baptist, so I can joke about that. I used to be Catholic, I used to be Baptist, so I always tease those two groups because anybody who knows me knows that I used to be Baptist. Anyway, so the curse goes both ways, the Bible says. And it says the Father brings the blessing like the patriarchs. The, the Bible says the, the cursing comes from the Father to the third and the fourth generation. We need to get relationships right. Now, let's look at the first direction. Now, in Malachi, it talks about the curse and the fathers to the children, then the children to the fathers, and you can go. And the fathers, when they're at fault, let's look at 1 Samuel 2, verses 22 and 25. Let's look at what causes a curse from the direction of the father to the children. And so 1 Samuel 2, verses 22 through 25. We're going to talk about the sins of Eli. Now, how many of you remember who Eli was? Of course, we know that uh, Samuel's mother, how many of you can remember what Samuel's mother's name was? Hannah. Hannah couldn't have a baby, and so she went uh, to the temple of God, and she prayed, and God gave her a baby, and then that baby came, and she committed that baby to the Lord. That was the vow that she had made, and that baby was Samuel. And Samuel went into the house of Eli, into the temple, when Eli was the high priest. And Eli was the priest, but he was not a good man in, in many ways. And he made a lot of mistakes, and he raised two very evil sons, the Bible says. He even called them the sons of Belial, sons of the devil. And here, here's... And it's sad that sometimes in the ministry that ministers don't raise good kids. And that's a sad thing. I hate that. Because one of the requirements to be in ministry is that you, if you know not how to uh, rule your own house, how could you rule the house of God? If you don't get the principles in the house right, you don't get them right for God's house. And 1 Samuel 2 and 22 says this about him. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all of Israel and how they lay with the women. They were fornicators that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. He's sleeping around with the church ladies, these two boys. Like I heard about a church in Knoxville, a big church. Some kids left one youth group to go to the other one. The girl in the youth group got impregnated on the church grounds out behind the building. That stuff happens. It's evil. Because the house is not in order. He laid with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, why do you such things? And God tells them a little bit later, it's because it's your fault. For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. Wow. And it goes on and says, And if one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearkened hearkened not unto the voice of their father. Because the Lord would slay them. You see, God already had their days numbered for what they were doing. And we can see some other things that was going on there. They, they were, the sons of Eli were very wicked. In verses 17 and 18, look what it says. 3, 17 and 18. I'm going to read, jump over to the next page. And I think I wrote down the wrong verses. Oh, 1 Samuel 4. Oh, no, 4, 4. I was looking at 3. Okay, now, now I know it's right. 
1 Samuel 4, 17 and 18, look what it says. It says, and the messenger answered and said, now he gets confronted and told that your sons and you are going to die. As a matter of fact, let's, let's go, I'm going I'm to go over to 29 through 34. Let's go back to chapter 2. And I'm going to read this, and then we'll go to chapter 4. I got that out of order in my notes. I'm sorry. Wherefore, kick ye at my sacrifice. This is God sending a man that spoke to him. Wherefore, kick ye at my sacrifice and mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation. And honorest thy sons above me to make ourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. God just told Eli. He said, you honor your sons above me. I mean, there's people that honor their kids above God. Their kids will determine where they go to church and if they go to church. Our kids don't want to go to that church. Well, what if God has told you to go there? What about the dad being the head of the household and he directing the kids where to go to church instead of the kids directing the parents where to go? It's all out of order in our country today. I don't care what the youth group is. I don't care. The parents are the leaders, not the kids. And here is old Eli letting his kids lead him around by the nose, making a fool out of him. And everybody in Israel knows it but him. God says, I don't like what you're doing. You're honoring your kids above me. And then he goes on and says, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I indeed that thy house and thy house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me. For them that honor me I will honor. They that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. He says, you're not going to honor me. I won't be able to honor you as the high priest, Mr. Eli, because you honor your children above me. And in 1 Samuel 3.13, it tells you how he did that. Just jump over across the page. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. He wouldn't discipline his child. He wouldn't restrain his child. And that's where the curse of the father towards the children are, is that you don't require them to honor and obey. And that brings a curse. Because the curse then came, and we find out later, we go over to the next chapter. Now we're in chapter 4, and verse 18, and what he pronounced over them came to pass. And I would just go to verse 17. They went to war, and the messenger answered, and he said, Israel is fled before the Philistines. And there hath been also a great slaughter among the people, and thy two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God is taken. That's the two wicked sons that Eli raised. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God, he fell off the back seat, the seat backwards by the side of the gate, and his neck brake, and he died. For he was an old man and heavy. He was overweight, and he fell on his neck, and it broke his neck. And he, and he had judged Israel for 40 years. See, he didn't require his kids to honor him. And God said that he taught them to dishonor, that he was dishonoring God. By not making his kids honor him, he was dishonoring God. By not making his kids honor him, he was dishonoring God. And a curse came upon his kids. 
It's Father's Day. We need to understand that fathers, if you don't take your place and require your kids to honor and obey, you're dishonoring God. Somebody say amen. And I know that I'm not going to get people to run the aisles on this. I know I'm not going to sell any tapes when I tell this, but it's what the Bible teaches. And it reveals what's wrong in our culture today. Amen. Now, what about the children can be at fault? And the children can start the curse from their end. Now, that's how the fathers can start the curse from their end that Malachi addresses and tells we need to get it right. But the children can do it too. There, there, are, there are fathers that are requiring their children to honor and obey. They're spanking their kids. They're teaching their kids. They're requiring their kids. And their kids still won't do it. Let's look at that generation. Proverbs 30. Talking about Father's Day and the curse that we can stop, that we need to stop as fathers and of children. Because children, sometimes the father's doing the right thing, and sometimes this is what happens in spite of it. And it says in chapter 30 of Proverbs, There is a generation that doth curse their father and doth not bless their mother. I think of the 1960s. Oh, my gosh, the anti-establishment, hippie, pot-smoking, free sex, hate any authority generation. Look where they've gotten us today. I'm, sorry, I'm sad to say that I'm on, the, I'm on the edge of that generation. I was kind of part of that generation. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that is pure in their own eyes, and yet they are not washed from their filthiness. Four times it says there is a generation. And there will be that generation will come about every so many years. That generation was the Hitler generation that those kids were rebellious the Hitler generation, they turned the kids against their fathers. I saw a documentary how the kids uh, quit the church on Sunday morning, went to all the athletic programs Hitler had for them, turned on their parents, turned in their parents as traitors. They were elitists, Aryan race, were superior. Sounds just like this generation right here. Quit the church, worshipped Hitler as a false god, Became fornicators for him because he told him it's good to have free sex and raise children because we need more Aryans on the earth. As kids, when they were in high school, fornicating to produce for Hitler more children. They became murderers of the Jews. They loved the power, greedy position that Hitler took. And it says, there's a generation, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. They thought they were the superior race. There is a generation whose teeth are swords. They were vicious. They could kill without any conscience. Their teeth are swords. Their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from the earth. And the needy from men, they put the Jews in the, in the ghettos and destroyed them. The horse leech has two daughters crying, give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four things that's not enough. The grave and the barren womb. The earth that is not filled with water. And the fire that saith it is not enough. In other words, they couldn't stop at one nation. Then they had to go for another nation. They had to go for another nation. They wanted to dominate and take over the whole world. There was no end. There was an insatiable appetite for power, just like these things. Uh, Give, give. Never satisfied. Never enough. And the grave and the barren womb and all these things. And it says in verse 17, that tells you the curse that comes upon those children. 
The eye that mocketh at his father and despises to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out. Sounds a lot like the war of Gog and Magog that's coming. It says, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat. I remember seeing a documentary on Hitler. I can remember seeing the devastation after the war turned and the Axis powers in Russia closed in on him and decimated him. And all the dead bodies and the dead animals and the dead people everywhere. And I remember it showed them with birds and vultures picking the eyes out of the dead bodies. And I thought, oh my goodness... The Bible talks about that. It's a nation that decided not to obey its mother and father, but go down to the Hitler camps on Sunday morning and get involved in the sports programs. Made fun of their old-fashioned mother and father. Germany used to be a Christian nation. All the way up till Hitler... And then we see an almost completely secular nation. But they had to turn against their mother and father's Christianity. And they became secularists. And it destroyed a nation. See, not honoring your mother and father has national consequences. Can I get an amen? It has national consequences. Not just family consequences. Not just personal individual consequences. But it will take a whole nation down. Everybody say, that's serious business. The rebellious, anti-establishment, hippie, drug-taking, free sex culture of the 60s and the early 70s is now the Bill and Hillary Clintons of the Proverbs 30 generation who are now in power. And others as well. And it's bringing great curses into our nation. So where does it all start? In Genesis 2, 16 and 17, the dishonoring of the Heavenly Father. Adam and Eve were told by God, the Father who gave Adam and Eve this perfect world, this perfect existence with a perfect spouse and a perfect relationship with a perfect garden with this perfect beautiful stones and gold and rivers and vegetation and animals, perfect everything, perfect absolutely the most wonderful place a father could give his two children. And he says, but just don't eat of the tree, kids. And please honor my word. And the devil rises up and says, uh, huh, God has said what? Oh, he has said Well, he knows in the day that you eat thereof that you won't really die, but he's afraid you're going to be his equal someday if you do it. What a dishonoring. God had already made them in his image. He'd already blessed them with everything. He'd already given them everything that they could ever want. He says, just don't eat this because you don't want a taste of evil. You do not want a taste of the knowledge of good and evil. I've already given you the knowledge of of good, but you don't want a taste of the knowledge of good and evil because it's just too wicked. You don't want it. But it's your test to see if you love me. Now honor and obey me. And they dishonored him by disobeying him, and they honored the devil by by obeying him. Can I get an amen? The first act of dishonoring the father was the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve did not honor their father by obeying him. They honored Satan, and they got him to be their father. 
Those who you honor and obey will become your father. And you'll have to honor that and you'll have to live with that. And then there was a dishonoring and a disobeying, not only of the heavenly father, but there was a father that was to be and his name was Adam. And Adam was a father in the making. Adam was a father that was going to be. Adam was a father in the making. And not only did the father, the heavenly father get dishonored, but when Eve rose up and said, no, Adam, I know God spoke to you to do this, but we're going to do this and we're going to obey this other voice. And then the head of the house, Mr. Adam, was greatly dishonored and disobeyed by Eve. How many of you know that the father spiritually and the father naturally is being dishonored today in our culture? See, it starts with Satan dishonoring God, and it goes to dishonoring the man. I can, I can watch the Allied commercial on the, and the best good driver's discount, and the little lady is, is saying now, why is it that I got this check in the mail for being a good driver? And you said that, you know, women, you know, something about women drivers, and, and then he goes to defend himself, and all of a sudden this man's voice comes out of her mouth and says, silent! Anybody have ever seen that? Is that a dishonoring? And then, oh, I forgot a V8, and I see this woman come up to this man and go on his head. Oh, should have had a V8. You know, if a man were to do that to a woman on television, we'd have a civil war in America, the women against the men. But it's very subtle. It's very undermining. It's very nuanced. It's very insidious and demonic. They're eating away at the honoring of our Father God. Can I get an amen? When you, when you dishonor the office of dad, or you dishonor the office of father, you are dishonoring the office of God who is our Father. Can I get an amen? And we'll get the kids to practice dishonoring dad in the home because that's the practice ground. How many of you know that's, that's where the practice is? That's where we get them trained is in the home to dishonor dad. And then by the time they're out and they're in the university, they're going to be dishonoring God and, and crying out for gay marriage and crying out against Christians and, and crying out uh, and, and blaspheming God and declaring that they're an atheist and declaring that God is dead. And they'll dishonor the heavenly father if they can just but be trained in the home to dishonor their physical, natural father. That's how that works, folks. And don't allow it. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't allow it. No, not in my house, not on my watch. Amen. The devil doesn't like messages like these because it exposes what he's doing. It really exposes what he's doing. Amen. Amen. It's all over the culture, it's all over the television, it's all over everywhere. You know, mom, honor your heavenly father, but also honor your kid's father. Honor your heavenly father, honor your biological father, but also honor your children's father. Amen? Amen. You see, the curse looks like this. When it's all said and done, if we don't follow this, see, this has happened before. Turn to your name and say, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, who's the lady that started with the women's lib and wrote the, uh, 
the Women's Lib Manifesto. What was her name? Anybody remember? No, no. Who was it? Gloria Steinem. That's right. And in that manifesto for Women's Lib, the ultimate thing is to completely disassemble the family and to castrate all men. Did you know that that's in there? Did you know that's in there? So anytime you feel like being like a little women's libber, just remember the, the founder, that's type of a perverted monster that wrote that. Evil, wicked, wicked, wicked. Destruct wants to destroy the family. Number one goal, destroy the family as we know it today. How many of you know that's satanic? Yeah. So, you know, those things are very wicked. But I'm going to tell you something, that's nothing new. There's nothing new. That's, it's, it's been like that. There's always been things like that. Israel was judged for seasons like that. The nation of Israel had times like that. There's nothing new. I said it's nothing new. Let, let's go to Isaiah, the third chapter. Look, look what it says. It says in Isaiah 3, 2, the mighty man and the man of war, the judge, the prop. These are all male figures, all male figures. The, man of, the mighty man, the man of war. The judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient and the captain of 50 and the honorable man and the counselor and the cunning artificer and the eloquent orator. And I will give children to be their princes and babes shall rule over them. How do you suppose that would happen? We're talking these dignitaries, these mighty men, these judges, these men of war. The prophets, the ancients, the captains, the honorable, the counselors, the cunning you know, workers, and the eloquent orators, and all the, the people that affect culture and are serious people. And God says, I'll let children rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, and the base against the honorable. Sounds a lot like today. And when a man shall take hold of his brother, the house of his father, saying, Thou hast clothing, be thou our ruler, and let this ruin be under thy hand. And there's, there is no leadership. Will somebody please be a ruler? Will somebody please lead in America? In that day shall he swear, saying, I will not be a healer. For in my house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler of the people. Nobody wants to lead anymore. The children are ruling over the adults. For Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. They show their countenance, they show of their countenance doth witness against them. And they declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Say ye to the righteous, and there's two classes of people here, say to the righteous, it shall be well with him, for they shall eat of the fruit of their doings. How many of you know you can be righteous in a wicked nation, and praise God, we'll get to reap what we sow if we live righteously in the midst of a mess. Thank God God is just. 
And I don't care how rotten the society gets. I don't care how rotten the culture gets. I don't care how upside down the order gets. The kids ruling the parents and the kids being disrespectful and dishonorable. It doesn't have to be in that way in my house. And it doesn't have to be that way in my life. And I can still live blessed coming in and blessed going out. Somebody say amen. If you choose to live right. How many are going to choose to live right and honor your father today? How many fathers are going to require your children to honor you? need to require it. It's up to you. It says Jerusalem is ruined. It says the, the gays, as they declare their sin is Sodom. It says they've rewarded evil to themselves. But it says, woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with them. For the reward of his hands shall be given him. As for my people, children are their oppressors. And women rule over them. Oh, my people, they which lead thee... Cause thee to err. How many of you know Hillary Clinton may be leading us in a matter of months? Children are their oppressors and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err. Hillary said about a month ago, we need to fundamentally change the religious beliefs in America. Did anybody hear that? Raise your hand if you heard that. Oh, Hillary's going to change and tell us not to be Christians anymore because she wants gay marriage. She wants abortion. Oh, we need to change. Don't change and repent from our sins. Change our religion. Wake up, people. Wake up, people. Oh, my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy paths. See, it all starts out by dishonoring fathers. And really, when you dishonor father, you're dishonoring the man that your mother married. I said, when you dishonor father, you're dishonoring the man that your mother loves and married. Moms, don't let your kids dishonor dad either. Can I get an amen? We, we need to realize that God wants us to honor our fathers. Amen. I'm going to end it like this. It says, what it will be like in the days of the Son of Man returns. It will be as it was in the days of Noah. See, it also says, what will it be like when the Son of Man returns in Luke now, that's the Matthew 24 account, the days of Noah. But in Luke, when asked what it will be like when the Son of Man returns, he says, it'll be as it was in the days of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. They were eating and drinking and buying and selling. But we see two different men in Noah and Lot. Did you know that Noah's two sons honored and obeyed him? and helped him build the ark, and they were saved. And they were rewarded with the whole earth. They were given to be the owners and possessors of the entire earth, completely washed clean, and start over with the new covenant. How many of you know they were richer, richer than Donald Trump, Bill Gates, and the Rockefellers all put together? They owned the whole world and all of its resources. But see, Lot... His sons were never taught to honor and obey him. Somehow, good old Noah 
sons knew that they were going to honor dad on this crazy business of building something that nobody had ever built, an ark for 100 years. What's rain? What's an ark? Okay, dad, uh, what you're saying is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life, but we're going to honor you by obeying you, and we're going to help you build that ark. And they ended up pretty good. Can I get an amen? Oh, Lot didn't obey God. He went down and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Just like he didn't obey God when the angel came and said, get out of that town as fast as you can. He went to his boys and says, boys, the angels have told me that we got to leave because there's fire coming down on the city. They said, what are you talking about? Kind of a dorky idea is this one, Dad. Are you kidding? Go ahead, go. And I think they might have learned it from the mom because the mom was the one that turned around and looked back to Sodom and Gomorrah and turned into a pillar of salt. Somebody taught them not to honor and obey dad. Somebody taught them to not be obedient when dad says it's time to get up and go. It's time to get up and go. And they all burnt with the Sodomites in Sodom because they didn't know how to honor and obey their dad. See, they were given the opportunity to leave with Lot. And I don't know if they had entered into that culture and sin or not, but they were given the opportunity to leave with their dad. Their dad could have blessed them, but because they didn't relate right, they were cursed and they stayed and the fire consumed them. Can I get an amen? Two very clear pictures of the end times. There's going to be fathers who are like Noah, whose children honor and obey them, and they're going to escape the judgment of God, the curse that's talked about in Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. And then in the last days, because the days of Lot are given to us as a picture of the last days, there's going to be fathers who are going to have sons like Lot, who say, no, Dad, we're not going to honor and obey you, and they're going to be cursed because the hearts of the children were not torn, turned toward the father, and the heart of the father was not turned toward the children. Anybody getting anything out of this this morning? Two pictures of the last time father and children and the Malachi warning of the hearts of the children not being turned to the father and the fathers not being turned to the children and there's no obedience and there's no honoring so they did not go well with them and they did not live long on the earth. Let's stand up this morning. We need to honor fathers. For a lot bigger reason than making dad feel good. Because it's practice for honoring God. It's training for honoring God. It's training to make them blessed and not cursed. Can I get an amen? And rightly relating to their God.